Hey guys, we got a special episode this week. Tim Zarki. It's been a long time coming. Those of you who are on the Discord know that this episode was recorded, I don't know, five, six months ago? I visited Tim in San Francisco, and we got to finally sit down and chat together. Tim is an amazing designer, currently a 3D artist at Oculus, and we talk about all kinds of great things. So I'm super excited for this episode. Um, We actually have two promotional partners this week. Of course, we have our usual partner at Let's Design Daily. They post amazing design work from designers across the world. Check them out if you haven't already. Show them some love. Show them some support. And then we have IDSA. We'd like to promote their International Design Conference. It'll be virtual this year. It's going to be a 24-hour live stream, and it'll be happening on September 17th and 18th. You get to learn from experts at Microsoft, Puma, Where Are the Black Designers, Sketch a Day, and many more. There'll be panel discussions, workshops, studio tours, and a chance to network with designers from from your home or from your work. So you guys can register at internationaldesignconference.com. And, of course, give the podcast a follow on Spotify, five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, Give a YouTube some love. We need some more subscribers on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Thumbs up. Um, we got some nice crispy video from Tim's apartment this this uh, episode, so you got to check out all of his fun toys. Um, and this podcast especially is a great podcast to jump on the Discord because Tim's Zarki will be there ready to answer your questions. All right, guys. Let's get to it. Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm suspiciously not James. <laughs> and we are two designers in San Francisco. Sweating the small stuff. <laughs> I'm not an expert at the sweat web, so <laughs> don't don't judge me too harshly. This is my first uh, first time doing it for real. So, Well, I'm super excited to have Tim Zarki on the podcast today. Tim is a... Uh, 3D generalist at Oculus currently and has had a breadth of experience working for Minimal, working for Fisher-Price, working for Huge Design and a, a range of other places. But uh, it's been a long time coming, Tim, and I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here because uh, I'm a pretty big fan of the podcast. And so to become an actual guest on the podcast is a pretty big deal for me. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I have to say you are the number one Discord contributor. It's it's a badge of honor that I, I wear with a lot of pride. So. <laughs> so if you are enjoying this podcast episode right now, that means that if you want to join the Discord, Tim is going to be there. I will be there. Ready to I answer, will answer your questions. Any question you could ever think of, he'll be there. If there's something that's a uh, burning question that's on the top of your mind, as long as as long as it's legal, as long, well, yes, there there are some some limits that we have to put on that. But uh, come find me, and I'll I'll be there. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just coming to San Francisco for some meetings and stuff, and I wanted to swing by your your place and get to finally meet you. Yeah, I feel like we've been internet friends for a year plus now. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> it's kind of a surreal experience um, to see 
the the infamous Nick Baker in the flesh <laughs> and sit across from him. Um, yeah, so this is awesome. Um, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah. So Tim, I just want to you know you know the deal. You're a fan of the podcast. I'm a fan of the podcast. I think we just we start out. We let's uh let's hear your story. All I'm right. Curious how you got into industrial design. Well, um, yeah. So I guess like Nick said in the intro, um, right now I'm doing sort of 3d generalist work is how I would describe myself. So, um, I kind of made this transition in my career where I began as an industrial designer and then over the past like four years or so have sort of gradually eased my way into doing, um, a lot more like, uh, 3d visualization and animation and sexy renders lots of renders um and that's kind of what i do full time now so i'm actually all of my industrial design projects are side projects now and the work that i'm spending my time doing during the day is 100 percent um 3d rendering and right. motion design stuff right. so you're not adjusting fillets you're just no fillet making... well actually you would be surprised how <laughs> oh, much i still adjust you're adjusting fillets. fillets um a lot of the time we get uh 3d data that has no fillets on it and it doesn't look good in your renders if you okay. don't have any fillets so so you're adjusting you're adjusting I'm you're adjusting, adding tiny fillets i'm adding some very small fillets okay. to things okay. yes um but anyway, so so I guess maybe what I could do is kind of go back in time to uh, to college and to talk about kind of how I ended what about up before college, Tim. Um, okay, I'll go all the way back to before college. I mean, you grew up in an interesting um, place, Joshua Tree. Yeah, so so I'm from uh, Joshua Tree, California. Which, first of all, which is the desert? Yes. It is definitely a desert. It's a very dry, uh, desolate, but also very beautiful place. Isn't that a weird place um, to grow up? I feel like everyone grows up in like a suburb. Well, you, I mean, it's weird when you think about it. And How far not, away were your neighbors? We lived on like a residential street. Okay, like so it wasn't too like neighbors desert. right next door. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but okay, so like my street though, growing up was like the last street before you get to just like the actual desert. So like if you look behind my okay. house, it was all desert. It was just like rocky like mountains and like That's coyotes that you hear at night. So cool. And um, yeah, it was it was a really interesting place to grow up and it's re- it's weird now because I feel like Joshua Tree has become this like incredibly well-known and iconic place especially for people that are um, you know from California like people who live in LA it's like a really popular place to come visit um, there's like people who are you know buying up Airbnbs and um, renting them out and like the the amount of visitors that the National Park gets these days is just insane yeah um, so it's weird for me now because like everybody that I talk to like knows what Josh tree is but when right. I was a kid nobody knew what Josh tree was or like a very small number of people that you would talk to would have okay. any idea what I was talking about um so it's very surreal to me to like go through that uh that transition from you know feeling like I grew up in this tiny little town that no one's ever heard of before to like now I tell people where I'm from and people are like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> Um, so that's, you know, that's an, uh, interesting adjustment to make, but, um, it's, I'm, I'm just happy that people appreciate it and, you know, want to visit it and think that it's beautiful. Um, cause it is beautiful. It sounds beautiful. I've never and been there, but I'd love to go should, one day. You should go sometime. Um, it's great for rock climbing if you're okay. into rock climbing or camping. Um, but anyway, so growing up there, like it did feel very remote and disconnected from, um, the rest of the world in a sense like it's you know it's a normal small town but um in terms of like you know someone like me who was really interested in you know art and design and right 
um, you know, how to like trying to figure out in high school, like, how do I pursue a career in this? Right. You know, my parents were park rangers, so they didn't really have, Interesting. Okay. they were incredibly supportive of yeah, me, yeah. but they didn't really know like how to advise me on, you know, what path to take. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of started out thinking that, um, you know, I wanted to do graphic design or something like that, but only because that was the only thing that I knew. Like, I didn't know that industrial design was an option. I didn't yeah. know that you could get a career 3d modeling things and rendering things like that was not on my radar at all right and so i was like well i i like drawing and i like you know making art and so i guess maybe i should be a graphic designer because it felt more like uh it felt more like an actual career than just being like i'm gonna be like an illustrator or an artist Uh and we just lost a few illustrator listeners (laughs) well you know it's a it's a like now i have a completely different perspective on that because i know that like yes you can be an illustrator and yes you can have a career doing that um, but back then I was like, well, uh, you know, there's this like starving artist stereotype right. where your parents get very concerned and, yeah. you know, of course. Um, of course. I wanted to like make sure that I was going to be studying something that I could actually like have, you know, some degree of confidence that afterwards I was going to have an actual career that would pay the bills and allow me to live comfortably. Um, so I guess back in high school, um, you know, I was super into drawing. I loved th- Actually, I, I started exploring 3D modeling at a pretty young age as well. Um, I have seen these 3D models. <laughs> there's some pretty bad ones. I have a whole... Listen. I have an archive listen, on my computer Tim. of all of my old experiments. It's so funny when you say it's pretty bad because you were how old 3D modeling? Well, things? okay. Like, it's bad looking back at it now. But I was gonna, I started 3D modeling when I was probably like 11 or 12. 11 or 12, right? You were 3D yeah. modeling these things. It's like pre, I, pre-high school. I've seen them and I'm like, whoa, I don't think I can 3D model that right now. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, some, you're, you know, you're, you're being very some kind, space but, jet, you know, and it's like, um, oh, wow. Anyway, in my... I was, my, I was picking my, my nose when I was 11. <laughs> well, I was I was very fortunate because um, I, I had a very supportive art teacher when I started high school, and he basically saw the work that I was doing and was just like, you know what, um, instead of, you know, doing the painting curriculum for my class, like, you can do whatever you want, basically explore 3D modeling, explore digital art in whatever form you want. As long as you're doing something productive in my class, like go for it. So I was really fortunate that I, you know, I had a lot of people who supported me and like just wanted to give me opportunities to do the stuff that I was really passionate about. Um, And I I got into uh, 3D initially in large part because of video games, Um, because I have always been a fan of um, games in general as as a, a a hobby or a pastime or nowadays like an art form is video games um, a hobby does it count as a hobby i think it counts as a hobby i'm, I'm gonna just say right now that video games okay counts as we a should hobby. go on a quick tangent right now <laughs> should we go on a tangent sure tim and i play minecraft yes or have played minecraft and i swear tim is the best minecraft player ever you're, you're i don't think that's true at all <laughs> that's your buildings are immaculate they're insane i would say the same thing about yours so I had to I had to up my game. I usually just build a shed <laughs> in Minecraft, and then I find you, that very hard to believe. You built a whole like factory system, and it was okay. Sorry. Well, anyway, continue on. So Minecraft inspired by video games. Yes. Um, so so you know when I was a kid, like I was playing different games, and there was a very particular one that I'm not going to talk about in depth because no one's ever heard of it. But um, 
there was a PC game called Creatures, which was like an AI like life simulation game where you would like hatch these little okay. uh, creatures that would kind of like wander around like this environment, and you could you could kind of like interact with them and teach them how to do things. Right. And this is like Tamagotchi, um, but in the computer. Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, and there was a, a community of people online that were super into like making mods for that game. So like they would make um, additional like environments for the little creatures to wander around or objects for them to interact with like toys or you know different kinds of food um and a lot of it was like 3d and like you know 3d sprites basically right. like, rendered from the side so they're 2d right. images but they're they come from 3d software yeah, yeah and so i was like fascinated by that and i was like you know what i really want to figure out how to help people who are making these mods because it just looks like fun and i love this game um, so I kind of went off and I was completely useless to, to these people. Like I, I never, I don't think to this day I ever like made anything for the game that was actually like good. Um, <laughs> but I, it just motivated me to like try and figure out 3d because it was a completely new thing to me and I was seeing what people were doing it with it. And I thought it was really powerful. Um, so when you're a kid and you don't have any money to spend on expensive 3d software, um, you download Blender and try and figure it out because it's free. Um, so I started using Blender probably in like, I think 2011 maybe. Okay. And it was completely incomprehensible to me. Um, I was so frustrated with it that I, I probably like put it down and completely gave up on it at least two times before it actually started to like, before it started to stick and before right. I like got to a point where I could like actually build things that were in my mind a little bit and like start to see the potential of what it could do. Um, but it was like a, a massive uphill uh, battle just because even now like blender is really intimidating to people because um, a lot of it is designed to rely pretty heavily on like keyboard shortcuts and right. you know, things that aren't necessarily super easy to find in the UI and this, you're not super familiar with it. Um, and Blender is more of like a polygonal modeling system. Yes. So it's, it's not traditional industrial design modeler. Not at all. Right. No, it does not. It's not a CAD program. There's no CAD tools in there. Right. Um, you'll be very, uh, it'll be very foreign to you if, if you've only ever modeled in CAD. Yeah. Um, but that was my first like 3D program. So like that was where my brain started is like in the world of polygons, polygonal modeling. Um, and I also like started to learn the basics of rendering back then too, because obviously like you want to show people the thing that you're modeling and like the only way to really do that aside from just taking shitty screenshots is to actually, um, you know, ha render it somehow. And so like Blender had a, a built in rendering engine that was, um, pretty basic, uh, at the time, but it was, you know, s similar enough to existing rendering engines today that like a lot of the concepts kind of carried over. Okay. Um, so I got into that stuff like a long time ago, like before college, um, did that throughout high school. And so when I was like trying to figure out, you know, what do I want to do with my career once I go off to college? Like, what do I want to actually learn more about? Like I had that kind of 3d side of my brain that wanted to do more 3d. And so I was looking at graphic design. I was like, I know I'm not going to be satisfied with right. this. Like this is going to be, typography and like arranging you know grids and um stuff like that which is cool and i love graphic design um but i i wanted more than that and right. i wanted something that was going to be 3d and i wanted something that was going to involve drawing as well because i at this point i still love drawing and drew a lot um and so just you know doing research online as you do um i stumbled across industrial design as a thing that you can study 
Um, and as soon as I started reading about it, I was like, you know what, this is like, this is the thing I want to do. Right. Um, and I, as soon as I decided that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and find like the best colleges for industrial design in the country and apply to them and hopefully, hopefully go to one. You're so, Uh, so much smarter than me, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I just like applied to some that were near where I lived. Yeah. Well there, see, like there was the only one that was near where I lived was, um, art center. Okay. And art center was like super intimidating to me. Art center is is a great school. They are a great school. Um, but I toured there when I was in high school and I was like, this place is too intense. Like I'll never survive here, (laughs) (laughs) which I was probably wrong about. Um, looking back on it, I I probably would have been fine, but I still think I made the right choice by deciding to go to DAP at the university of Cincinnati. Um, cause at the time, like art center and DAP were kind of like tied in the rankings that you can find. And, um, I think ultimately DAP ended up being like the perfect place for me to go. Yeah. Um, so tell me about DAP because I know they have a unique program where I believe they make you do a year long internship or is it's, it, it's, it's just multiple internships that they place you each, each internship is relatively short. So each okay. one is four months. Um, but you do a lot of them. So, and it's part of the curriculum. It's part of the curriculum. It's not like, like where at SCAD, yeah. it was like, Oh, Hey, summertime, go do an internship. If you want, if you don't, don't worry. But like, right. You're right. So but this is like part of the program. Exactly. Okay. Um, so unlike, I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to people who have gone through other programs just to s- compare them with the one that I went to. And I think the thing that really does stand out about it is the fact that, you know, these internships are like baked into the schedule. It's like, you're going to do them. Right. And if you don't do them, you're going to have problems with like graduating. Basically. Is it a five-year program? Um, so it's a five-year program. Okay. So that, that's where the extra time comes in. Exactly. Right? So you do like a full year when you start of just foundation studies. Right. There's no portfolio requirement. So people show up with like vastly different skill levels and like experiences and so like i went to school with some people who like went to like design high schools where like they had design programs that were like part of their high school experience and i was like what is that (laughs) yeah we didn't have that (laughs) and then there's like me who you know had an one art class and like a very you know supportive art teacher but you know i had no experience with design at all um i was very motivated though which is helpful um but anyway, so, you know, you get people coming in from, from all different backgrounds and you go through a year of foundations, which is just trying to get you the skills that you need to kind of get everyone up to the same, sort of on the same page. Like yeah, everyone sure. knows the basics, like people know how to use Photoshop and Illustrator. They know what like basics of like color theory yeah. and drawing and stuff like that. It's pretty standard. Um, pretty standard stuff. And then the second year you kind of, oh, and I should say also like that foundations year, you're mixed in with everyone else. Um, so you're mixed in with the graphic design students and the fashion students and everyone else in the design school architecture. Right. Um, and then in the second year you get split up and you go off into your separate tracks and do your sort of specialized classes and you do about, I think for me it was like two quarters, which would be like a little more than a semester worth of like actual industrial design classes. And then you have to go to your first internship. Do they find the internships for you? You don't know anything at that point. You like, you can barely like pull together a portfolio that looks even remotely like hireable at that point, um, which is part of the challenge. But the good thing is um, because it's such a integrated part of the program, um, the school has like a list of companies that okay. regularly will take interns from the program. Mm. So, you know, that, and, and they're also like kind of ranked in a way where, 
um, you know, certain companies will be much more likely to take people at lower experience levels I see. than others. Like there are certain jobs that you just knew like, okay, that's like a junior or senior level job. Like I'm right. not going to be able to do that right now as so my first internship. All the good students get the good internships and you work your way up there. Well, it's, it's all those students with the most experience, right? right? Okay. Um, who've been in school the longest. And then when you're a sophomore just starting out, you get to go do, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm now like, the, now the real question is what was your sophomore internship? Well, it sounds like I'm about to like talk down on it, but it's actually amazing. Um, so I went to work for Fisher Price right. um, as my first internship, and I was there for six months just because of the way that the scheduling worked out. Um, and I got to design toys for. Um, I was on a team there that did like infant toy design, so mm -hmm. it was like toys for infants from like six months old to like eighteen months was I think like the where our work topped out. And then there was another team that took care of toys right. for older you know toddlers. Um, so that was a super cool experience because, um, well, one, it's just, it's fun, like working in toys because like at the end of the day, like the things you're most worried about are like, is it fun? Is it educational? And is it safe? Like right. those are the three things that you have to kind of cover. And if you cover those, then the rest is just like playful, like, um, just exploring like cool, you know, cool, like interactions that you can come up with or interesting forms that are fun. Um, and it was really cool because, um, I got put on a team that, um, really took advantage of having me there. And because I was there for six months, they trusted me enough after like the first three months to actually give me my own like project to run, which as like as a, sophomore? a sophomore is like almost unheard of. That's um, pretty impressive. And so I was responsible for a, a lunchbox, uh, shape sorter toy, okay. which is like, um, it's like this little lunchbox and you open it up and it has food items in it that are specific basic shapes. So there's one that's like a, you know, a triangular piece of cheese and Got a round it. apple and a square sandwich. And okay. you put the, the food items into this lunchbox and it has a little electronic voice that says the name of the thing okay. or it sings a little song about it or it says the color or the shape. And so it's kind of meant to teach kids, you know, how to identify basic shapes and, and this, stuff. Was this your first shipped product? And that was my first ship product. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll we'll have to post, post a photo um, of that. I w yeah, I'll have to dig some up. Um, so that was cool. Like I went to my first internship, and at the end of it, I had you know a product that actually went to market, and I think it had like four and a half stars on Amazon, which is pretty awesome. Amazon so, reviews are yeah, the true design. Got award. those. Got those Amazon reviews. Yeah. Um, so I was I was really happy about that. It made me feel good. Um, so after that, you went. Well, you were in school. So then you go back to school. And, and then, then you, you went alternate to every semester after that. So you'll do a semester in school, okay. do a project, do a bunch of classes, and then you go do another internship. And you do that back and forth until you graduate. Okay. And so um, I was reading you went to NSYNC? Yeah. I don't know if anyone listening um, is familiar with NSYNC. but Aren't they, they a boy band? Or is that a different thing? <laughs> That's the joke that people make every single time. Okay. Um, they are not a boy band. Um, they are a design consultancy in New Jersey um, that all the guys who founded that company came from Henry Dreyfus and Associates in New York City. So they're like very old school, um, still have like drafting boards in the office. They had like, uh, it's interesting, like um, when I was at Fisher Price, um, I kind of did 
the whole like scope of like industrial design work. So, you know, everything from like initial ideation to model making to CAD to you rendering. Were, you were doing CAD when you were a sophomore? Mm -hmm. I don't think we even learned CAD when I was a sophomore. We learned Alias. So oh, like wow. we knew how to use Alias and okay. that was the only thing that I knew how to do at that point. And I was not very good at it, but I was good enough to like design toys, I guess. Okay. Um, the stuff I was doing was relatively simple. So yeah, yeah. I didn't like, I, I wouldn't have been able to handle some more advanced stuff. Um, but anyway, so I went to InSync after that and, um, oh no, I'm going to wake my computer up. So I went, I went to, uh, to InSync after that and I had a completely opposite experience because, um, basically at InSync, they had a couple of like CAD experts who were like the CAD guys and they do the CAD for like every project. Okay. Um, and so you were mainly sketching all the industrial designers just sketched basically. Okay. And so I did so much sketching that, uh, that semester, like, well, I, I think I worked on like, uh, probably four or five different projects while I was there. Um, but I was just kind of a sketch monkey and, um, I don't think a single one of those projects actually made it to market. So I didn't really like, have a whole lot that I could show from that experience. Um, I did get to work on a pretty wide variety of stuff. I did some makeup packaging. I did a, a headlamp, um, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, As in like for a, a light? headlamp oh, that you would wear camping. to do camping or, okay. you know, running at night or um, anything like that. That's cool. Um, and then what else did I work on there? There was also like a electric like massager for like reducing uh like muscles the theragums and cramps no that was at minimal that I, I worked on that okay but, but this is a lot yeah th theragun is like a popular thing now isn't it yeah, well it seems that way okay um i hear about them a lot um this is not theragun this is a different kind of thing because theragun is all about like um like motorized like massaging uh, and this was electricity oh interesting so there's no like motor okay. it's just something that you would kind of like apply to your skin but i assume you got really good at sketching at this internship yeah i guess so i did a lot of it i mean i did a lot of sketching at fisher price too and then this was just like more okay more of that um but i, I was kind of bummed because at this time at this point in my like career or not career but you know point in school i guess you could right. say like i was really into 3d already and i like was super into modeling interesting and so to go to an internship where they're like nope you're not going to do any modeling um we're going to do that and we just need you to sketch huh and i was kind of bummed about that so not my, not my favorite internship although i love the guys there and right, it was right. a good experience in terms of like all the stuff i got to work on um and then the last internship the last no no so there's two more Oh, so two more. I interned at Huge Design after that okay. um, here in San Francisco. Now you got to tell me about Huge Design because there's Huge Design and then there's Huge. Well, yeah. Am I right? If you're on the West Coast, people, or if you're in San Francisco at least, people know which one you're talking about most of the time. Okay. It's um, a little confusing because there's two design firms named Huge. Am I correct? Right. But I think the one... One is the, UX UI. Yeah. And one is Industrial. Yeah, the one with the pink logo. I feel is like that's the UI UX one. I feel like there's some sort of copyright law some, somewhere in there. I, but you went to industrial. I went design, to obviously. the industrial design okay. one that's here in San Francisco, the cool one, I right? Say, yeah. Um, and that was a pretty. I think of of all of my internships, that one probably shocked me the most in terms of like showing me how much I had yet to learn, and mm. also like really motivating me to like become a better designer because. Okay. Um, so like InSync was a design agency as well. So like they were doing projects for different clients, but the pace of work at huge and the 
like the caliber of the clients and projects that they're working on was like a completely different level from what I was doing before. What kind of projects? Um, so like, I pr- uh, which ones can I talk about? Um, I'm not sure if are I can talk s- in detail about them, but are they still not released yet or there's just like, um, they never a lot made of, it? a lot of stuff I worked on, um, did not either didn't make it to market or like my contribution to it was not significant enough to really make it worth, uh, talking about. Okay. But, all of their clients are like, you know, big name consumer electronics brands, basically. Right. Um, the Googles, the Apples. The Googles, the Apples, the Microsofts, the GoPros, the, you know, household names. And that was the first time, you know, I worked at a company where those were our clients. And I was like, it's a lot of pressure when you're a student <laughs> to sure, like get into that sure. environment. And everyone around you is extremely talented yeah. and is doing beautiful renders, is doing CAD concepts really quickly in a couple of days and turning out renders that are, you know, really nice um had people there who were you know really good at surfacing and really good at uh just the kind of like coming up with a vision for what the product should be and really selling that vision yeah um and that was like very new to me and i felt super uh just out of place there not not out of place in terms of wanting to be there but out of place in terms of where my skills were right i felt like i had a lot to prove and uh, had a lot to learn um, when I got there. So, and this was your first foray into San Francisco. Yes. So that was the first time that I lived here. Um, I mean, you you grew up in Joshua Tree. Did you ever? I'm sure you visited. Um, did I? I don't think I visited San Francisco as really? a kid. Yeah. So this so internship my first was the first time. time you yeah, came. my first time to San Francisco is for that internship, wow, which is okay. kind of cool. Um, yeah. So so that really like well for one it made me realize that I I really like the Bay Area. Um, and it also made me realize that I needed to put a lot of work in to right. um, improve my skills. And so I went back to school, like super motivated to, uh, just work really hard basically and, um, do a lot of rendering and do a lot of CAD. And, uh, I think so. So my last internship after huge was I actually interned at minimal before I worked there. Full-time. Is so yeah, you interned at Minimal. Was this after you graduated or before you no, graduated? No, so, so I went back to school for a semester after Huge, okay. then did my internship at Minimal, then went back to school for my senior thesis, uh, and then graduated okay. and went back to Minimal after that. Okay. Time. I guess maybe before we get to Minimal, I was thinking in terms of like DAP and your schooling, it, it seems like they rely very heavily on the internships. Is there Was there any like pivotal moments in terms of the the you know classes or your professors that you felt was interesting because it's kind of weird it's it feels like now that you're talking to me about this it feels like dap is almost offloading all the work <laughs> to these companies to well, like it's teach interesting the students, right it's which interesting is, which seems like a much it, it seems like a logical thing it seems almost like primitive like apprenticeships like medieval times they like just <laughs> had trained people at work right right well i mean i think it's like uh, I always felt that there was kind of this two way or not two way, but like it would be interesting the way things would happen. So like you would go do an internship, learn a lot from that experience, do a lot of hopefully real work that, right. you know, might can either contribute to or actually make it to market, you know? Um, and then you would come back to school and you would talk to all of your other peers that went on internships at the same time as you. And, figure out what they learned and like you'd all kind of come back and like 
share knowledge with each other to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, Cause everyone would have completely different experiences working for different companies and have a lot of knowledge that they gained as a result of that. So you would come back and every time you come back, you see people's work change a lot because people hmm. have these really formative experiences exactly. and it like shifts the stuff that they're interested. It shifts the skills that they have. Um, so that was really cool. And then the other thing that's cool is that in school, um, our studio classes were super like, you know, project focused. So like every semester you would essentially design a product within some sort of theme. And, um, that would be an opportunity for you to kind of go through the design process yourself, right? Come up with your own vision with a lot more freedom than you right. might have if you're working for a company. Um, and then apply the skills that you learned from your previous internships to that project and try and like push it as far as you can. Yeah. So that was kind of how, um, how things worked there. I, I will say it was a little bit lacking in terms of, um, just in terms of the, uh, amount of hard skills that we were taught, like software wise, like we didn't really learn a whole lot of, um, like 3d or rendering skills in school. Like we got an, a very brief intro to SolidWorks. We got, more in depth into alias and that was it basically so if you wanted to learn rhino if you wanted to actually get good at solidworks that was kind of on us right. and on our internships to like help us get there yeah um, and keyshot we never learned um at all like within the actual curriculum it was just something that the upperclassmen were like hey like, check this out you should use this <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting i i mean i'm sure that schools are changing now but i would echo that statement it felt that like the 3D software side of things was pretty light. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, too, it's there's only so much time to teach these programs. It's, like, it's difficult for sure, and they balance and, whatever like yeah, theory and all that and stuff. And so. DAP was really good about like giving us a lot of just hands-on time to like do the design process again right. and again, and to uh, be really hands-on with it and like very pragmatic. Like we always had to build something physical for the project, so even if you're super into CAD, like you have to actually make a model of it and it has like to that. be like, you know, yeah. either real materials or painted nicely or, you know, whatever you have to do. Yeah. Um, and then also we were very, um, there was a lot of emphasis on just like the, the front end of the process as well, like coming up with the ideas, vetting those ideas, having, um, you know, sort of information to back up why you think your design decisions are the right ones. Right. Um, and so I think it was a good balance. Like I wish there was more sort of the hard skills in terms of software and stuff like that, but that's just me looking back because I'm super into right. 3d and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And so I, you know, want people to learn those things, but, um, that's it was awesome. a really good experience in, in both of those regards. That's good. So, so tell me about minimal. Cause this is kind of, you said you had an internship and then I assuming it, it kind of evolved from there. So. So I was very lucky because when I was at Huge, uh, my boss, Chris Harsaki, um, he's actually really good friends with uh, my my future boss, uh, Minimal, and they went to school together. Scott Wilson. Um, or so underneath Scott Wilson okay. um, is a guy named Matt Puhala, okay. who was effectively my boss for the time that I was there. And Matt and Chris were like really good friends from college. And so I got Chris to send me a 
recommendation letter to Matt. And um, I think that was probably the only reason why I got an internship with them is because of that letter. Because this Minim was out of the DAP circle, right? Minimal was like not. Minimal was like on the radar of everybody. Okay. Like everybody knew about them right. and wanted to work there really badly. But it wasn't like um, DAP was handing out free internships. No, okay, yeah. no, 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 no. Like Minimal is a very difficult. I mean, Huge was difficult too, like um, to get an internship at. Right. Because they had high standards. I mean, both of these companies um, are great design yeah minimal was probably even more difficult to get an internship at just because they hire very infrequently and so they wouldn't take somebody like you know huge there was like a good chance that they would hire somebody from our, pro our program for every like internship um you know semester right um minimal like you know every, they might take somebody but probably not that's right. kind of how it went okay. most of the time um just because like they didn't like huge made it like a part of the company to like have interns and like make it a regular thing Whereas like huge, uh, or no, sorry, minimal, like show me what you got. They would, you they got would, any kids? Yeah. Like they, they would, they would, they was, they would have interns, but they would not necessarily like, they wouldn't be compelled to like hire a new right. person every right. semester or whatever. Um, so it's kind of only when, you know, somebody really caught their eye and like, uh, had, had skills that they thought were impressive and yeah, worth, could. worth hiring. Right. You caught their eye. Um, Tim. well, no, but I think the only reason I got that job, I think is because of that recommendation letter from Chris. Um, so I feel like I, I owe him uh, a huge thank you for that because I probably would have a completely different career at this point had he not done that for me. Um, so that recommendation letter and of course my portfolio convinced Minimal to hire me as an intern for my last semester of uh, internships. And that was awesome because Minimal is just such a like tight knit family. Like when they bring you in, it kind of feels like you're becoming part of the family and it's the sort of culture at the company is probably the best of any company that I've ever really? worked for. That's yeah. awesome. Um, your coworkers feel like your friends. Everyone's there just to like do good work and have a good time while they're doing it. Yeah. Um, Scott is an amazing mentor and also like super hands-on. Like he just wants to design cool stuff. Like that's his whole motivation and like to be, but he's also like so talented and so thoughtful and so to have like to be surrounded by this like family of just super talented designers and then also like work for a company that's run by someone like Scott um, was just an awesome, uh, awesome kind of final internship experience in college. And it made me really want to go back there if I could, because um, I just I fell in love with like the environment there and also the work that they were doing as well. Um, the clients they had were really interesting and um pretty diverse range of stuff like from housewares and furniture to consumer electronics medical stuff um they kind of had their irons in a lot of different fires at the time yeah um what do you think makes it so that they were such a, a core family like what was that culture like what what built that culture because i'm I mean, sure there's plenty of you know studios out there that want that culture but it, i don't know it seems like a very unique thing to I achieve right? i think it's just the people it's like just it's the people the balance of people that you have who mm -hmm. you hire okay what their attitude is like you know it like it literally felt like most people at minimal were if not like best friends like pretty good friends with each other which is a rarity from like other jobs that i've had i would say yeah for yeah. sure <laughs> most companies are not like that at all. yeah it's yeah. like you know all those people would be like people that i would want to hang out with after work and like right. go get drinks with and um, you know, go to concerts with on the weekends or whatever, like yeah. people do that all the time. And, um, so mm -hmm. it was, it was awesome to be a part of that environment. And like I said, it made me really want to go back. So what happened was, um, 
I found out while I was working there um, that Minimal was going to be opening a San Francisco office. And they're based in Chicago. Um, that's where their main... And uh, that's where you interned. And that's where I interned at. Um, so while I was there, my boss, Matt, and uh, a couple other people moved out to San Francisco to start this new office. And so I was like, hey, if you need additional design right. help after <laughs> I graduate, I would love to move to San Francisco to do that for you. Um, and they took me up on it. So um, I... Well, okay, so I go back to school. I do my capstone project. It was a digital camera. Um, I, I shared a lot of like uh, work that I was doing on that project while I was at Minimal. So before I left, I kind of gave them a presentation of like, hey, here's this capstone project I've been working on. It's a digital camera. Right. I was trying to like apply all of the skills that I had learned at Minimal and also like the way that they approach projects. I was trying to kind of like take that and do my own version of it for my thesis. Right. And so I gave them a presentation of that project before I left. And I was like, Hey, like, look at this. I did right. this by myself. Like also let's just pause me, for a second. I can like <laughs> do this, more of this for you. This camera is beautiful by the way. Oh, thank you. It is an explode. Like, well, the design is beautiful, but you also have visuals of an exploded view. Right. All of those happened after I graduated. Okay. That's like new, newer okay. work than, okay. than So you what went back and re time. you redid it. But there's yeah. like circuit boards and stuff, which is just insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so we can get to that I came back to that project later because I wasn't really happy with okay. the results okay. from when I actually did it in school. Um, but you graduated, you moved out to San Francisco. Yes. I uh, did graduate, did move to San Francisco. Minimal did bring me on. Um, it was part of a very small office in San Francisco. So there were like three or four of us at the most oh, wow. in that okay. office. Um, and and the satellite office was mainly for just like communicating with more of your clients or what was the kind of impetus? Yeah, the goal, the goal with it was to try and work with more clients in the Bay Area, right. um, work with more consumer electronics brands that are here, um, work with more startups as well because there's, you know, huge number of startups in the Bay Area that need design help. Right. Um, so that was kind of the plan and it sort of worked for a while. Um, but at the same time, like we would also help out with projects that are happening in Chicago if they needed extra hands. Right. So it was kind of like a balance between, you know, local clients basically in the Bay Area and then helping with bigger clients in uh, Chicago. Um, so... I did that for um, about two years before things changed pretty dramatically. But I feel like before I talk about that, I should back up a bit because there was a really important thing that happens when I was an intern at Minimal that I yeah. didn't talk about yet. Um, it was like super formative for like what I wanted to do. Right. Um, you transitioned from yeah, so design to from design to like being more of a generalist like three right. D person. Yeah. Um, so when I was at Minimal, um, another thing that I didn't mention about the company is that they have like a very good eye for visuals. And yes. so, and I didn't really know where that came from until I got there. And I realized that like everybody at the company is like making these renders and they're all kind of being guided by, um, there's a guy named Dustin Brown who goes by a speck of Dustin on Instagram. He's on the discord sometimes if you guys want to talk to him. Um, but he was kind of, he was one of the earliest, um, members of minimal and he kind of set the tone, I think, for the imagery of the entire company. Um, he kind of introduced everybody to V-Ray, which is the rendering engine that we all used. 
and taught everyone how to use it basically because it's not an easy rendering engine to use um, it's way less user-friendly than keyshot um, we would use it as a plugin for rhino it's so, like you could access the render the rendering engine from within rhino set up your render scenes in rhino um, and do everything there but it just has so many more options and there's no like preset material library or anything like that so you have to build everything from scratch um, and so he like created us a material library and like created us like custom toolbars that would make it easy to set up render scenes like you can in Keyshot. Right. Um, so he like took a lot of the the difficulty out of the process for everyone, huh. and because of that, everyone was able to use V-Ray to make you know pretty awesome images um, for all of our client presentations and for our website and all of that. Um, and so I got the the privilege of being able to learn that process while I was an intern there. And when I went back to school after that for my senior thesis, um, I was super inspired by that. So I switched all my own like work over to V-Ray, like doing the same process that right. they used. Yeah. And did all of my capstone renders using V-Ray, did a whole animation project using V-Ray for my capstone and kind of just fell in love with, um, you know, rendering in general and creating beautiful images. Um, so when I went back to minimal after graduating, I knew already that that was something I really wanted to do. Um, cause the other thing that happened when I was uh, working on my senior thesis was that I realized about halfway through that my entire like motivation in the project was not really the industrial design side of it, but more like the, the imagery, right. and the telling the story of it and doing the animation. Right. And, I set aside so much time to just to focus on that part of it because that was the part that I was excited about and that was the part that I had the most fun with. Did you have to make the actual thing? Because you just said... I did. I did make a model. Okay. Um, but I spent almost no time on it. Like, right. And there's no photos of the model on your no, website. That's for a reason. Actually, I don't think this project is on my website at all. Um, no, not I anymore? Never, I never really published it's on it. Is it on Behance? No. It's I've like, definitely seen photos of it's it. It's like my somewhere. secret project because um, I've never really published it. Um, I feel like I've seen photos of it. Is it on your website? Photos of the model or photos of images of the camera? The rendering. I've, I've shared them in a lot of places. Okay, it's okay. just not, um, I think they're on Instagram okay. if you look at Instagram. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, so, um, what was I saying? Um, we were talking about super excited Dustin, about yeah, yeah. that side of the process. Um, so I think I re I had this really profound realization, which was like, I actually don't necessarily care that much about the industrial design part <laughs> which is like really like a sad thing to realize when you're graduating from right. an industrial design school going off to an industrial design job and realizing like oh actually if i had my way i would just focus on rendering and animation all the time interesting um so i knew that when i was starting my job at minimal like mm -hmm. i knew that that was where my interests were shifting towards and well, so i think you also had an, a leg up because if you're at minimal, you have great design to render to start with, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you were like, you know, going back to wherever it was, you know, Fisher Price or another company, there may not be the best, like, design to start with to render out. Well, it's not, it's not even that, though. Like, I think, I mean, obviously, minimal does beautiful work. Um, but the thing that was really good about going back to minimal with that sort of... Um, you know, knowing that that was what I wanted right. to do is that like minimal is a super supportive company in terms of just wanting people to enjoy what they're doing and focus on the things that they're really good at, um, and like build those skills. So 
I mean, I, and of course I had a lot of self-motivation. Like I was going to go learn, like improve those skills no matter what right. on my own time, just because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But minimal realized that. And so they're like, okay, how can we take advantage of Tim's like passion for this subject matter? Right. Um, so before I was even really ready to do a lot of like client facing, like, you know, final polish renderings and animations and stuff like that, um, I got the opportunity to do them anyway. And so I had a lot of projects at minimal where I didn't necessarily have the knowledge of the skills to do them properly in terms of like, you know, 3d motion design and, right. and rendering. Um, but the projects were there and like the client needed help with that stuff. And so I spent a lot of late nights just like, I'm going to go home and watch some cinema 4d tutorials and try and figure this out because the client is expecting us to deliver this animation and I'm the only person at the company who's going to do it. So yeah, I'd better figure it out. <laughs> but that was awesome though, because it, it, it gave me the opportunity to like, I'm not going to say it forced me to pick up those skills quickly, but it provided me the opportunity to, to pick up those skills quickly. Yeah. And that was great for me because, um, it, allowed me to kind of prove to minimal that like, yes, I can do this. And yes, our clients will pay us for this. Um, and it also kind of proved to them that like, you know, we can, if you guys let me kind of develop the skill farther, like it will be useful to the company. And like, um, you know, I can, I can help us figure out better ways to do things and figure out how to make more beautiful images and, um, stuff that maybe we, um, didn't have the capabilities to do in the past or, you know, had previous employees who had left and kind of taken those skills with them. Um, like Dustin, he moved on to, to Microsoft um, after I started full-time. Um, we had another guy who used to work for Minimal named Scott Scanoni, who was also a really talented animator, and he had moved on as well. So Minimal kind of had this gap right. for those skill sets, and I kind of plugged myself right into that gap, and um, it turned out great. So, But, and, and before then, though, because... Because, you know, this is Industrial Design Podcast. I want to hear, you worked on some industrial design at Minimal. Oh, yeah. I was sure. doing industrial design all the time. Yes. Yeah. Because there wasn't enough, like, uh, visualization work to sustain, like, me doing that all the time. Okay. Um, so what would happen is, like, I would do the, you know, help with the industrial design on client projects. And then when we got to the point where, like, okay, you know, now we need to, like, make some beautiful images and do an animation or right. something like that, then that would become my, right. like, my thing that I would help with. So tell me a little bit about, like, the big industrial design project that you got to do. Like, what is your favorite project that you got to do on Okay, you're just Admin asking me. There's not a specific one that you're referring to. No, no, no. Okay, There's not, like, like, one specific. Like, okay, okay. In your mind, like, <laughs> what is minds. your favorite one that you got to work oh, on? Oh, man. Um, well, unfortunately, the biggest one that I worked on, I can't talk about because it never launched. It got canceled. No! Um, I worked on something for a really cool client um, that was, I poured my heart and soul into it and it got canceled um, after like spending a year working on it basically. That's so, sad. Um, so I'm not allowed to talk about that one in, in any detail, but um, it was one of those projects that I got to do a lot of motion design on for the okay. first time. And so, and it was for a big client too. So I was like, oh man, I better like, <laughs> I better do a good job on this because yeah. uh or don't want to, you know, set a bad example or anything. Um, so I can't talk about that one, but in terms of ones that I can talk about, um, I have to think about that for a second. I think in terms of like the, the visual side of things, um, there were two projects that I really loved working on. Um, 
I mean, there, I loved every project that I worked on for the most part, but, um, there was, uh, a fitness tracker called Misfit Ray. Yes. Which was one of the mm-hmm. first projects that I worked on when I joined the company. And this one was um, just the, it was just a cylinder, it's just like a pure, like metal tube, um, tube with yeah, this yeah. silicone band. And I helped the industrial design was already pretty far along when I started. Okay. So this is mainly um, visual stuff, but I helped do all the final renderings okay. and did an animation project for that. Um, which is something that I'm still pretty proud of, even though it's pretty old at this point. Um, I have to mention, um, our friend Dave Joseph, because one of my favorite projects that I worked on at minimal, not an industrial design project, but an animation project was done for his company, Ovi. Um, I got to help create kind of a, it was something that they used on Kickstarter, although it wasn't like their main Kickstarter video. Um, but it was also a video that they used at CES to kind of like promote the, uh, the company, um, for those of who are listening, who don't know what I'm talking about, you should li- listen to, a uh, episode Dave's 37. Episode. Um, I don't know what episode it is. You guys can find <laughs> it. <laughs> but, uh, Dave is awesome. And his company is basically, um, they were trying to make smart food trackers that would basically keep track of how, um, how fresh your food is yeah, for yeah. you. Like t- smart Tupperware. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I got to help kind of tell the story of that through visuals, which is super fun. Yeah. Um, back to industrial design though. Um, I got to work on a crazy project that was um, essentially a portable mass spectrometer, which sounds crazy. I don't even so, know what that is. So I'll explain. What is a mass spectrometer? So a mass spectrometer is a machine that you put a sample of material into it and it tells you the elemental composition of that material. What? They like blasts it with, um, uh, well, it heats it up really hot and okay. like vaporizes it into a gas. Oh, so it, whatever you put in, it's like destroyed basically. Yeah. But okay. it, it heats it up into a gas and then Wait, what kind of stuff shines, are you putting in? Like, I'll, I'll, get, I'll in? get to that. What's the in a use second. case? Okay, I'll get continue, to that in a continue. second. So just explain the concept of what this machine does. So it, it vaporizes the material sample and then measures the elemental components of the gas that's created and tells you like this is, it can tell you kind of the breakdown of the stuff it's made of. This is like 5% carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the actual, so there's a lot of different applications for machines like that. Um, They're in, you know, like high-end chemistry labs and stuff like that. Um, But also another thing you might use one for in this case was um, essentially disaster response. So this was a portable version of one of these machines that you could take to a disaster site where you thought that there might be like hazardous chemicals that had leaked out or, um, you know, some kind of like environmental hazard that you wanted to be able to identify. And so what you would do is someone would like get dressed up in a hazmat suit, carry this machine out into this hazard area, which could be like a natural disaster or, you know, it could even be like a terrorist attack or something like that. Um, take a sample from something that they thought might be a dangerous um, material, put it into the machine, and then the machine tells you what it is. And so they would use it for, you know, assessing the threat of potential contaminants in different kinds of disasters. Okay. Um, So very interesting design challenge because we had to, like the inside of this machine was just the most elaborate looking like contraption I've ever seen. I believe it. There are all these different parts that have to like transport the gas into different places, had to like heat it up to a really hot temperature, had to like, um, you know, ventilate the machine so it doesn't overheat. Um, But then also the, the really difficult thing about this project in particular was that the machine has to be carried into these really hazardous locations and then decontaminated afterwards so that it's safe. 
So the whole thing had to be able to be sealed up basically so that the whole thing is airtight and that there were no areas that would like trap debris that might be really difficult to wash off. So we had to have this machine that basically you seal it up, you take it out in the field, you do sampling. It gets really hot because there's no way for the heat to escape while it's sealed up. Right, it's sealed. Yeah, yeah. And so you have a limited amount of time that you can use it for before it overheats. Okay. And then you have to take it back, um, decontaminate it, ventilate it so it can cool down, and then you can use it in that mode as well if you're in a lab setting, for example. This is um, such an interesting product. It's also interesting because it's, it's more like a B2B product, right? Like it's not consumer level. No, yeah, this would not be a consumer product at all. Like this is something that like government agencies would right. buy. And or, was this ever, I mean, I assume there's photos of it online. Mm -hmm. Can we find photos of it? Yes. Okay. So the, the client we were working for is FLIR, okay. um, which, you know, they make all, all kinds of like infrared cameras and sensor equipment and stuff like that. Um, so they also make like, you know, bomb detection equipment and things that are used by you know security personnel for the government and, and so, like but you worked on the idea of this you got to yes design so i designed like the the architecture okay. of it like the form of the product how right. to fit all the stuff inside of it how to like you know where was the actual like place like it had like a screen that was like a touch screen it also had some physical controls on it if you were wearing you know big gloves like you might be if you were in a hazardous environment um, it had like a port where you had to inject the samples through it had to have storage for like They use these special like needles to like collect samples um, So I had to have storage for those and it also had to have um, it has like this probe that essentially can sample like gaseous um, Stuff hmm. without injecting it directly into the machine So you had like a handheld probe that you could like wave around and this thing sounds so crazy It's like the craziest like box you could possibly imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was probably like the most like challenging and rewarding like ID thing that I worked on. Here's the question though, Tim. Did you, I mean, did you get to work on the visual side of the things? Like, did you get to do the, I mean a little bit, but renderings? not, not really. Like I think the final renderings that we have are not ones that I created. So okay. it's like the one project where I did all of the, like, not all, it was a team effort of course, but you know, I, I was responsible for a lot of the front end, like ID work, right? And then actually did not do a lot of the final visualization for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm thinking is, this is such a niche product that, like, visual marketing type renderings don't necessarily seem well. They're almost not necessary, right? Like, I think the rend like the reason we rendered it is so that we could show the renderings to of the, the project or to no, yourself, like to, like to promote the work that we had done, right? Which is just an interesting um, scenario, right? It's like right, like Fleer, they just show pictures of the product in use, right? Because they just want to show like how it works, right? And because the the people that are buying it don't care. Yeah, they don't this care thing about is like, like set up in like a all black environment exactly. with like the light shining. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's to them. It's all about does it work? Like, yeah, yeah. Does it do the job that's supposed to do? What are the features? And like, I don't need. I don't care what it looks like. That's interesting. It just needs to get the job done. That's which awesome. is an interesting like per, uh, position to be in as an industrial designer as well, because you want to make an object that's beautiful. And of course, like with something like this functionality is paramount like it has to do everything it needs to do first and foremost right. but then also like if you can make it look awesome then why not right, right. so that was, sure. it was you know both sides of those or both sides of that um challenge were were kind of at play in that project which yeah, is yeah. cool so that's awesome all right so tim let's say how does that transition now to where you are because okay you know, you were at Minimal, you, you did this 3D generalist thing, or, or you started to move into this visualization 
part of the team started to kind of let go of the ID side of things, which seems kind of scary, but it seems like you love it, which is great. And then now you're at Oculus. Right. Um, so what happened at Minimal was, um, so as I mentioned before, you know, I was part of this very small team right. working out of San Francisco. And for reasons that had nothing to do with like the the company, really, um, that office got shut down. Okay. And the reason it got shut down is mostly just for like, you know, personal reasons. Like the one guy I was working with took a different job. My boss decided to move back to Chicago for family reasons. And so I was the only person left. Okay. And so they were like, well, we're not going to keep the office open for you because it's in San Francisco and that's pretty expensive and we like you a lot, but you're not worth your own office. Um, which I understand. Wait, so, so was, it, was there a point where you were just going to the office and it was only you? Yeah. There's, there was probably like, I don't know, two or three months. So it was where, just me was just like by myself, like in this, in this you know, like loft space office. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very peaceful. Um, but anyway, so we, we shut the office down. Um, and I basically decided to work from home for a year um, minimal didn't want to get rid of me. And so, but, but also I, I wasn't super excited about the idea of moving back to Chicago. Right. Um, cause I had been living here for a while and right. wanted and to keep like living it. here. I like yeah. California it has the things that I, uh, enjoy being around. So, uh, decided to stay here and minimal decided to let me do that. So I, I worked out of this very room for about a year, um, doing, the same type of work that I was doing before, um, in, including leading some projects, which is kind of weird to like lead projects remotely yeah. um, with a team in Chicago, but um, we what made about, it work. What about your tips on that? Because that seems like a again a, like a challenging thing. And as you know, as we go forward, it feels like more and more people are working remote, working from home. Yeah, I mean, I think for for minimal, like we always we have just like a really good um, culture of like sharing your work as often as possible so like what what will happen is like you know we we get a new project and the project will get staffed with designers um generally based on like who's available whose interests align closely with the project or whose past experiences align closely with the project and also just like who's excited about working on it um and then we'll kind of like have an initial brainstorm and then the designers will go off on their own and come up with a bunch of concepts, render them out and yep. then come back together and share the work and yep. talk about it, critique it, and then go off and do that again until the client is, or until we're ready to present to the client. Right. Um, so that's just the way that all projects work at minimal. So if you're remote or if you're there in person, like we would still have those same kind of like meetings to discuss the concepts. So I would hop on a video call and share my work with the team, see the work from the team. We use Slack to communicate. So you'd yeah. be sharing stuff on Slack all the time. Um, and it's just a matter of like having the, like having that groundwork kind of in place where people are just used to doing that all the time. Where like, you know, it, it, it worked pretty well, I think, um, yeah. for me. And I would travel there, um, like every three months or so. Okay. Um, for like a week or two just to like spend time with the people there and um, you know if there are any important client meetings I would travel for those right. so it was it worked out okay yeah and now at Oculus you don't even have to travel at all you just put the VR headset on <laughs> and everyone's well, in now, VR headsets now we're not allowed to travel at all because of the coronavirus so <laughs> we've got to rely on our VR headsets well, we're, especially we're, now we're dating this podcast now by the time this podcast <laughs> airs we'll all be dead with the coronavirus 
Right. So what's the point? Why are we even recording this? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, that's, so that's awesome. You were, well, I mean, I guess it's, it's interesting that you were just at minimal by yourself in the studio. They shut it down. You were at your room. And then I guess at some point you were itching to for something new. Yeah, I mean, I, I did that for a year. Yeah. And I, the work was still really interesting and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I still really enjoyed the people that I was working with, um, but I was more looking for just uh, an opportunity to just experience something different because I feel like it's interesting to put yourself into a new company and yeah. just like learn how that company functions. And it's always an opportunity for growth, especially if it involves doing a different type of work than what you're doing before um, and kind of like becoming an expert in something new. And, you know, when you're at an agency, like you have the opportunity to do that on a small scale, right? Because like you'll do, or if you're a free freelancer as well, like you'll get briefed on a new project for a new client, try and like become an expert in that thing as quickly right. as possible, yeah. do some hopefully good design work and then move on to the next thing, right? And like maybe, maybe you keep working with that same client for repeat jobs, but, you know, whenever you do something new, there's always that kind of like... Uh, that learning process that you have to go through to kind of familiarize Definitely. yourself with whatever it is that you're working on. And you just don't have the opportunity most of the time, I feel like to go as deep as you would want to, um, unless you're actually a part of the company. Right. And so one, I think part of it was that I just wanted to, um, I was looking for an opportunity to change my job title to not be an industrial designer anymore. That's a little interesting. Bit. Which... Like I wanted, I wanted to like make that leap so that I could just have that like, transition that happened psychologically right. so that I could be like, okay, now I'm a 3d artist. Right. I'm not just an industrial designer. And now I have to end the podcast. I'm, not, <laughs> no, I'm, <just> kidding. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk past this point. I'm going to get kicked off, but uh, no. So, you know, I wanted to like, just for my own kind of like psychological, uh, I don't know, like it, it's such a superficial thing, like your job title. Yeah. But like there is a significant transition that you make where people are hiring you for that skill set. Like they're not hiring you to do industrial design, right. but they're hiring you because they believe strong enough in your ability to do that type of work. So right. Oculus hired me to be a three D artist, not to be an industrial designer. They have very talented industrial designers there who are awesome to work with. Um, but they don't really need my help. Oculus they've got it. Oculus ID is, is yeah, beautiful. They've they've got their uh, they've got it going on. Do they listen to the Minor Details podcast? Do you I, I don't know. I'll have to ask. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I hope they do. I love their work. I hope so too. Um, but yeah, so insanely talented team there. And Oculus reached out to me um, because they did not really have a dedicated um, like product visualization. Cold? It was just cold? Email came in one day? Mm -hmm. No so way. LinkedIn. Yep. No way. That's um, awesome. I mean, you know, Oculus is part of a Facebook and Facebook is a huge company that has massive recruiting like right. power right. behind it. So they will find you if they, <laughs> they are looking you. for something specific, um, yes. which they were. And um, my boss, Peter Bristol, who's the head of the industrial design team there, I think he'd seen my work and, you know, I was on his radar at some point. Um, and the timing of it was just right. Like, you know, I had been working from home for a year I felt good about the work that I had done, like projects were winding down. And I was right. like, you know, I feel like this is probably the right time for me to make this kind of transition. And I was also kind of tired of working from home. I wanted to like be in a new place and have new coworkers and right. just surround myself with new things. Um, so I did it. 
and I've been there for a little under two years at this okay. point. Um, I think my two year anniversary is in May this year. So, um, it's been kind of a wild ride. So like I, and there's, there's a lot that I can't talk about. Um, but in general, like what my job entails is, um, whenever we have a new product, um, that we're trying to bring to market, obviously we need a lot of images of that product. Like the um, Oculus Quest? Like the Oculus Quest. And you did the renderings for those? Which I did do the renderings of. Um, so like on the packaging, your renderings are on the packaging. Believe it or not, I did not do the one that's on the front of the box. No? Um, but Wait, I did, what? but it's my 3D model and it's my okay. textures okay. and everything else. So, what about on the website? Yes. Okay. That's my work. On the website. Um, yes. But so, so, you know, they, Oculus did not have this capability internally. Like the industrial design team would do some of the renders of the products. For marketing purposes? For marketing purposes. No way. Or they would outsource okay. that work to agencies um, that specialize in 3D. So there was not a lot of like consistency because, you know, Oculus would hire mm, different agencies to do different products. And like, you know, um, it's really hard to like maintain like a, you know, consistent level of quality and, and sort of art direction across everything when you do that. Um, and also like, you know, it's sort of the trend to try and like at big companies like that to try and build these sort of internal teams that can do stuff for you. Um, and I think they, they finally recognize like this is a skill that we should have internally and our industrial design team does not have time to like do this themselves. Right. We need a dedicated team to, to do this. Um, and so I was the first person that they hired, um, to fulfill that capacity. Were and you, are you doing internal renders as well for yes. presentation so, purposes? So we will okay. do, um, I mean, honestly, like the visuals that we produce that are highly public yeah. go through a lot of iteration as well. Right. Um, so a lot of it is like iterating on stuff that will eventually be public at some point. Um, and then a lot of it is actually, we want to try and do more, um, just internal stuff as well to help like prove out concepts for right. the industrial design team and, you know, give, um, them the ability to like sell their work better to other, you know, stakeholders in the company. I like, mean, that sounds like a dream for me yeah. to like design something, then shoot it over to you and be like, Oh, here it is. <laughs> Look at this cool render. Right. And like the industrial design team, they do good renders. Um, but I think they would. I think when it comes to like making these like big presentations, like you really want like the oh, yeah. best images possible oh, for, for sure. Your stuff. I mean, if I could so. send my stuff to you to have the render out, oh, that'd be a dream. We can talk about that later. <laughs> well, I don't have the cash to, to fund that, but um, anyway, so that's kind of what the job entails. Yeah. Um, but then every once in a while, I get to do stuff that's like completely not product related at all. So. Um, an example of that would be like the, the last conference that we had, which is the Oculus Connect 6 conference, which is basically just a conference where we um, invite developers to like come and see all the latest technology, um, you know, talk to Oculus people about, you know, how to make content for the platform better right. and like just meet each other and yeah. network and all that stuff. And they get up on stage, they say, um, oh, we're working on this cool technology. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. We'll headset. do presentations yeah, and yeah. occasionally reveal new products. Um, and so this past, or last year, I should say, um, I got to do a big part of the, like, the event branding for that conference. Um, we had these kind of like big fields of like sort of abstract color, look kind of like paints. And I got to help. Sort it looked of, like oil spill, kind of. Right? Yeah, I got to like help conceive of that, and also figure out how to execute the uh, the final stuff for that. So that that initial idea was kind of your vision. 
Well, so the marketing team had the vision. They of, were like of the oil spill, or like, hey, we're having a conference. Like, well, they were like, hey, hey, like we here's some what we're thinking for the the branding for this okay. conference. Like, here's some re- you know reference images and inspiration that we've pulled. This is kind of like how we want it to feel, but the actual execution of that is kind of like up in the air. Right. So I would take that and be like, okay. I can build something that does something sort of like this right. and then kind of fine tune it after that. It's a fun animation. It feels like the paint's kind of flowing and it, it's very abstract, which is definitely a departure from IDE now. Right? Oh, yeah. Like we are now <laughs> into pure like visualization, pure art. Like how do you, how do you feel about that? Do you, did you enjoy that project? I mean, it seems like you had a big hand in that. I love projects like that because yeah. Like to me, there's like to me doing like product visuals is like a completely different, um, almost genre right. of work from yeah. like just doing like, um, you know, abstract sort of, uh, effects, I guess is what you could call it. It's sort of visual effects type stuff. Um, which to me, it all ties into like this one piece of software that I just love, which is this program called Houdini. Um, which is a visual effects uh, software package. And it's also kind of like a generative design software package as well. So it's this one sort of like 3D tool that's like a whole suite of like stuff that you can use. So it's like, if you want to... If you want to like simulate fire for Game of Thrones, like you can do that in here. Interesting. If you want to simulate water for like the life of Pi, you can do that in here. Okay. If you want to destroy a building for a Marvel movie, you can do that in here. Okay. But like those are the traditional VFX things you can right. do with it. It's like the industry standard for all of that stuff, which is insane because like, you know, here's this tool that can produce like movie quality special effects. Right. Like I have it on my computer and I can like mess around with it, even though I don't know how to do those well, things. Well, we're going to put up some um, nice visual effects right here. Of, like, <laughs> some don't, stuff. Don't, don't ask me to do that. I'm not, not capable James of that will do it. <laughs> Um, but then like, because, but it's like this, it's this completely open sort of like operating system for doing 3d stuff. Yeah. And so if you're clever, you can do all kinds of crazy abstract stuff with it as well. Um, or even do stuff that looks like product, like, um, like you can do, you know, 3d printed lattices and like generative design stuff with it Interesting. you know, create forms, like use it as a form generation tool, as well as a completely abstract, like visual. I know we've, we've talked a little bit about it on the Discord, but it seems like it's very much like program based, and you can really get in there and edit and really tweak it to what you what your vision is. Well, it's it's complete. It's a it's, so it's like it's a procedural like node based system right. that really the only limit to it is what you are capable of figuring out how to make. Right. Like the program will Which let you do insane. the program will let you do whatever you want. You right. have to, but you have to figure out, okay, this is the system I'm going to build. This is how it's going to work. If there's math involved, like you kind of have to understand some of the math maybe, um, or even like program some of it yourself. If you want to get really crazy, like you can program your own functionality into it. Um, but if you're willing to like go there, it will do whatever you want it to do basically. Um, which is for me, like makes it the most exciting tool for just messing around with because the, there's no limit on what it will do for you right. if you're creative enough. The only limits your mind, Tim. It really is though. Like that's, that's awesome. exactly how I describe it. So, um, yeah. Uh, do you, let's, I mean, you're at Oculus now. We kind of reached that point, um, 
should we dive into some more of the personal work yeah. and the, the questions? We have a few questions, other side of things. Yeah, I'd love to talk about some some personal work and answer some questions. Um, I mean, I think one thing I would say is that like I owe most of my like, um, let's say about fifty percent of my skills that I have right now to doing personal projects. Yeah, because um, like this is a whole another avenue of your career. Is like what you do for your job is completely different from what you show online. A lot of the times, like most of the time, yeah, 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 ninety percent of the time, you're showing amazing visuals and in, in crazy spaceships and all this fun stuff on your Instagram and on your on your channels, and that's sort of by design because right. I'm always. I think one one thing I figured out when I like entered the professional world is that people only pay you for the things that they know that you can do already. And so if you want to do, like, if you're not satisfied with the type of work that you're doing, the only way to, like, do different work that's more in line with what you want to do is to create your own work that demonstrates, hey, look at what I can do. Exactly. And then other people will see that work and say, hey, we could hire that guy to make that thing, but for us. Right. Um, That's how it typically works. And so I would never have gotten the job at Oculus had I not done a whole bunch of work on my own just to, like, elevate the level of, like, product visualization that I can do. And also show like, hey, I have this other breadth of work that you guys can also leverage if you want to. Um, and so like, you know, part of it is is for the career, so to speak. Um, but a big part of it is also just like, this is the stuff that I enjoy. And if nobody, like if I could just like somehow survive without getting paid, I would quit my job and just do the type of work that you see me do. Well, on Tim, Instagram you definitely could do that. But that's, we, that's a whole conversation. <laughs> I think we can. Well. So, you know, the stuff that you see me do that's like, you know, spaceship concepts or just random abstract generative design stuff, um, that's just me having fun and exploring, you know, skills that I don't currently, you know, that I'm I'm working on building or, you know, want to learn. Um, And, you know, I I make some sacrifices, like, in order to spend the amount of time that I do on that stuff. I think we should talk about that. Personal life. Yeah, yeah time just how much time you you spend in front of a computer every day um it takes a toll on you if you're not careful about that so yeah i think we should talk about that a little bit tim because i think a lot of people see your work and it's beautiful it's amazing i'm sure that some some of our listeners are very familiar and if you're not familiar you can always check it out uh, we'll put links and stuff in uh your instagrams underscore zarki underscore correct yes um and you know, people see this stuff and it's like jaw dropping. It's like, wow, how does this guy do it? Thank you. And, <laughs> and I, you know, we, we've talked on the discord a lot and it's interesting to kind of hear your perspective on it. Cause I, I definitely kind of echo what, what you're saying is you do have to sacrifice a lot of your personal time. Yeah. You do have to come for free. You have to give up something in order to get something. Right. Like, tell me a little bit about your work life balance. Cause I assume it's similar to like, to like mine where it's like, yeah, like it's always on flip off the switch. Yeah. 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 So I am probably the same way. And it's interesting because I think, I think about this a lot. Um, I went through kind of a transition that got me to where I am now. And I don't, quite know how to explain like why it happened or how it happened but i can talk about it so yeah. when i graduated from school i was super burned out because i put my heart and soul into my thesis sure. like yeah, yeah. you know you stay up 
so late and spend so much time oh, and when it's done flashbacks. you're just like flashbacks <laughs> you just don't want to think about design yeah, um, yeah. but i i started at minimal like immediately after i graduated so i didn't have a lot of downtime um so you know i was doing design work during the day and you know trying to do well at my new job and impress the people i was working with um because you know when you just graduated you're like you have to prove yourself there's yes. a lot of like pressure to sort of show the company that hired you that they made the right choice exactly. right, by yes. bringing you on board. So I was working pretty hard during the day. Um, and then I would go home and just be completely burned out and like not want to think about design at all. Um, so I played a lot of video games in like the first like three or four months after I graduated. I did too, man. Um, just enjoyed like being in San Francisco right, and, right. you know, seeing new places because it is, was a new city. Is, I think this is a common thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it is. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, the the fire started to kind of light underneath me because i realized like okay you know i did that thesis project in school and i knew that i wanted to like focus on 3d art and rendering and now i'm doing industrial design for minimal like how do i get that going again like how do i make that transition and how do i start to build those skills because at this point i knew i had the interest but i didn't have a lot of the skills yet um i mean i was like you know i, I had interned at minimal i learned v-ray and you know um, I would say like my, my visualization knowledge was probably higher than average for someone who just graduated from school, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be. And at this point, um, or one thing that happened when I had, um, was doing my thesis project is that, um, I discovered a whole bunch of 3d artists online that I did not previously know about. And so like a whole world opened up to me of like, look at all these cool things that other people are doing right. and getting paid for and they're mind-blowing and they right. have nothing to do with industrial design <laughs> it's like more concept art or like generative yeah like art. work that was done for the entertainment industry yeah, yeah. or work that was like just beautiful motion design stuff that's all 3d or um i mean i can name drop some people that i was super inspired by at the time um ash thorpe yeah. is someone who's been like a mentor to me which also um, will plug you have a podcast with him as well i do have a podcast with him you can it's listen to equally, at the collective podcast.com yeah, um, he has been someone is like a constant source of inspiration to me. He's one of the most hardworking and talented people that I know. Um, and he is one of the people who really like showed me like what's possible if you work for it. Um, so I found his work when I was in like finishing up my thesis. Um, I also found a guy named G monk. That's his handle that he goes by. Um, he's actually he lives in San Francisco. Um, I've never run into him, but he's around and he is someone who did, a lot of like um, like science fiction, like UI for, actually Ash did a lot of this type of work as well um, for movies like Oblivion with Tom Cruise, mm. the Tron reboot. Okay. Um, so he's like the designer who creates these like right. crazy science fiction interfaces. And then he totally pivoted his career and started to do all practical effects. So like now all his projects are like shot in camera, like using like his favorite thing to do is to like build setups in real life that will allow crazy like, um, visual effects to happen in camera. So like figuring out real ways to build like abstract, okay. um, mesmerizing effects that are all filmed in real mm -hmm. life, which is pretty cool. Um, so he works with a lot of like, uh, musicians and uh, just like big brands to do crazy, like installations. And, you know, I'm just seeing all this stuff and I'm like, holy crap, this is blowing my mind right. in terms of like, I did not know that you could get paid to do this yeah. just because I had not really been exposed to any work like that. Um, so that's happening while I'm doing my thesis project and I'm realizing like, oh man, like that stuff is so much more interesting to me. 
um, I want to learn like what, how do you even get into that world? Um, so something, so, you know, I, I graduate, I'm like burned out. I don't want to do anything. Three months goes by and I discover a online school called Learn Squared, which was started by Ash and a couple of his friends. And their whole goal was just to like, cause like they, they would work on a lot of projects together, like professional projects and learn so much from each other. And they wanted to like try and create that environment, but make it accessible to everyone. Mm. So like they created this interesting sort of platform where they teach classes, but they teach classes in pairs basically. So like there's one person who's like the instructor who's like the expert teaching right. you the material. And then there's their apprentice who is like not skilled in whatever the subject matter is, okay. but is an insanely talented artist in their own right. Interesting. So they like, you see this talented person learn something that they're not familiar with from this extremely talented from this expert in that thing. And you watch the, you would watch and you see their interactions interesting. and okay. like watch. So you get the, you get the course content from the instructor huh. and get to follow along with it yourself. But you also get to watch this other person like, and what they create after watching the same stuff. That's a fun and concept. So you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can like see how their mind works and like how they're able to like learn from the class and so forth. And you have a learn um, squared course. Correct? And I did a learn squared course. Okay. Um, for industrial design, although I would not necessarily recommend it to someone who is currently an industrial designer in the industry because you probably won't learn very much from it. It's um, more of it's a targeted in towards intro? like students or people who are like, you know, maybe engineers who want to like learn more about ID or, okay. you know, people that are students that are just getting into it and like want to kind of kickstart entry, that entry level. Kind yeah, of it's entry level. So I would not really recommend it to anybody who's like working in the industry, but I, I haven't watched it, but I'm sure it's amazing. I mean, I put a year of work into it, yeah, so like sure it was, great. it was, um, it was a lot. But anyway, so this is a long way of saying that like I basically went from like complete burnout to like completely investing myself in learning right. within like about three or four months after I graduated, and I just saw this opportunity to like learn from this person who had become like you know someone I really looked up to, and I was like. I don't care how burnt out I am. I need to like do this because this opportunity like might not be here forever and I need to take advantage of it. So I was like one of the first, like his Ashthorpe's class on that platform was like one of their first classes and I signed up for it like the very first session when it started. So I was like one of the first students in on the platform and I just like put my heart and soul into that project and he noticed it and like, you know, started commenting on the work that I was doing and reached out to me personally to um they, they started doing a lot of like live streams and things with students where they would like bring people in and you know um talk to them about their work and um you know i got to do one of those with him and eventually they invited me to do a class for the uh um for the platform and also they invited me to be one of the apprentices for one of ash's classes so i got to be the person okay in the class like who was learning from him yeah, yeah. and so i got to do essentially like an eight week like one-on-one -on -one mentorship with him which was incredibly, um, I just, I learned so much from that experience. And this, you were all doing This is all night. in all my downtime. Right. Yeah, so like after work. You go into minimal, yeah, you're working go, really hard and you come And then I come home and then I spend like four hours like exactly. doing learn squared stuff. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, going to bed at like 1am yeah, basically, yeah. um, which I still do now. So that hasn't really <laughs> changed, <laughs> um, which is probably not a good thing, but <laughs> suffice to say, so I, I, I like, you know, went from like nothing to like super intense, like, you know, 
focus just because I was so excited about the idea of learning a completely new thing. Um, and about the time that that ended, as far as like the class that I was taking around the time when that ended, minimal was starting to be like, Hey, do you want to like learn animation and like yeah. do some animation for our clients? Okay. And so then I was like, okay, well now I like, got my foot in the door of this like new skill set like yeah. now i need to like on my own go learn more about it so right. not driven by a class but just like driven by what i need to do at work so i spent a lot of time you know just doing uh tutorials to learn how to use cinema 4d for animation um lots of rendering tutorials as well um so i started to learn like octane at the time was like the renderer that i was using a lot and throughout this process i think i developed like a just from like repeatedly spending this time like working on my own stuff and like working on my own development it became a habit like i feel a like a lot of a lot of come home and a work lot of an people, extra like four hours yeah because yeah, a lot of people like think about that and they're like how can i like i can't bring myself to do that that's like way too much work i don't have the energy and when you don't when you're not used to that like it is it's really hard it's super hard to get into and so i totally sympathize with that um but i made it a habit like i made I just did it often enough that you and enjoyed it enough. That that's the key. Yeah, that's you have to key. enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, then it's not going to go well for you. Right. Like it's going to be terrible, and you're going to be miserable, and you're not going to want to do it. Right. But if you enjoy it, then you can make it a habit. Right. Kind of like running. Like it, running sucks when you first start doing it, but if you do it every single like you know multiple times a week, eventually you're going to start to enjoy it a little bit, and then it's going to become a habit, and then it's going to become easier. Right. And that's exactly what happened with me. And you know building these other 3d skills is that i it was difficult in the beginning but i was super motivated because i had this opportunity with this class to learn from one of my like you know people that i idolized um and then i just kept doing it often enough that it became a habit and now it feels really weird if i don't now do it. it's a drug yeah now, now it's you, like if i if you came home and you did nothing you'd yeah be like, oh, like no. my, my brain is like wired in that way now where if i don't spend some time working on something productive in the evening i feel like i wasted my do you think that's bad tim i don't know i mean it depends i think it depends on what your priorities are because if if you genuinely enjoy it I don't think it can be bad. Like, I think you, you can, it can be bad if it interferes with your ability to do other things that are important to you. Right. Like if like, like dating, out, for example, working out, like spending time outside. I mean, those things, um, those are really important, important things. Yeah. And I will definitely be the first to say that I do not have that balance figured out. Um, but what I can say is that I do genuinely enjoy like learning and I'm always looking for new opportunities yeah. to learn things. And I think, I have some work to do to try and like shift that balance, but I do not think I will give up like spending at least some portion of that time on my own like learning do you and feel development. Pressured to do those those other things in life, the the quote unquote life things, from society or internally? Um, I think both. Yeah, I think it's not just society. Like okay. it's definitely. Um, there's definitely internal pressure yeah. to like want to live a more balanced life and yeah, want yeah. to have like, want to be healthy and want to have important people in your life and relationships. And I think all of these are components to having like a happy, like well-rounded lifestyle. Yeah. And you can like fill those with other stuff for a little while, but it'll kind of, I feel like it'll catch up to you after a certain point where you're kind of like, yeah, this is not necessarily the best thing for me to be doing 
I think that's, yeah, I, I'm glad we talked about that because that's one thing that you and I talk about on the Discord a lot. And it's just a, it's just an interesting, like, idea, you know, like going home and working for extra hours on top of your work is yeah. something that's so hard, but it pays off, right? Your work is amazing and people notice that. Well, and I think, like, there's a time for it, too. Like, it's it's a, th- a good thing to do when you're young. And that's the thing, though, because we have, we have designers who are older, maybe already have that, yeah. those other things set in life. And now and it's... then you have to figure out a different kind of balance because it's like, if you have kids, if yeah. you have family, if you have other responsibilities, then you have to prioritize, you know, prioritize those things first so that, um, you know, you're... I, I just feel like there's... You know, I, I, it's hard for me to speak to that because I'm single and don't right. have any kids and yeah, can yeah, kind of do whatever sure, I want. Sure. Um, so I'm definitely not the person to like speak to that, but um, I totally sympathize with those people. And like, you know, I understand like it, you can't just go home and spend four hours trying to learn Cinema 4D or Houdini or something because <laughs> you, you have, have kids, kids and yeah. a wife and yeah. responsibilities. And those are really important and also bring you enjoyment and yeah. um fulfill fulfillment right so it's very individual it's very up to the person and and of course like everyone's going to find their own balance yeah, too, yeah. as far as what makes them happy um i'm still working on mine for sure haven't found it yet i think we'll probably um, die not finding balance Tim. maybe not i don't know but it's there's always a continuous well i think the thing that i i, I enjoy about what i have done is that it's made me very motivated to continually improve myself and like continually make adjustments to um, like how I'm spending my time and what I'm learning and how I'm growing as a person. And that growth doesn't have to be rendering and animation. It can also be other things. And so right, I'm trying right. to learn going outside for a walk. Yes. Trying to learn how to, um, you know, maintain that mindset and apply it to other areas of my life. Now that I've like figured out how to make it work for one area. Yeah. I mean, if you could do that, that's amazing. I don't know. I don't know if I can, but that's that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> um, all right, we got we got so. we got some good questions here, Tim. I want to see if we can touch on a few more. Okay. Um, so here's here's the thing: we have a lot of industrial designers listening, and so I think one of the biggest questions is how does this role of visualization play into industrial design? Because you know, from my perspective, it's almost like ninety five percent of the design itself is just how you present the design. Right. I mean, until it's a physical object yeah. in front of you that you can like hand to somebody and be like, hey, this is the design. Um, you have to rely on it pretty heavily, even when it comes to like prototypes. Like you can have prototypes that like might communicate like 50% of the design intent. Like they might work right. the way they're supposed to, but yeah. don't look the way that they're supposed to or vice versa. And so I think like the visualization element of industrial design is... I mean, we, it's a part of industrial design, right? It's not like they're two different things. Like industrial designers are expected to be able to visualize their work. Like it's part of what you're supposed to be able to do, but there is a distinction I think between being an industrial designer that does visualization work in order to communicate the design intent of their projects versus someone who just does visualization work. Right. Right. Cause then a couple things happen. Like one thing that happens is the bar, like the expectation bar gets set from like here right. to like here yeah, yeah. because now like you're the expert and this is the one thing that you have to do it's, well and so you better, you better do it well better make this thing look yeah. sexy um so that's you know the expectations change a little bit 
Um, but also your time to like hone those um, skills changes too, which is a good thing. So, you know, it, it gives you the ability to spend all your time thinking about like, hmm, how should I light this? Like what right. materials am I going to build? I can spend like, you know, a day or two building materials for a new product that we're working on and no one's going to look <laughs> weird at me because that's my job, you know? Like, and it, so it allows me the time to do a good job, right? Because it is my top yeah. priority. And I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking in this scenario where a lot of us don't have that visual person to send a, send our CAD to, to course, render out. Yeah, it's not, not necessarily a common thing. Like how, how valuable do we think we should be, you know, how, how valuable are these renderings? Like how much time should we be spending, spending on the renderings themselves compared to the design? Well, see, I think it's, it's also it's, a trick question, by the way. It's <laughs> interesting because like, um, you know, visuals can fill different roles, right. right? So like if you're an industrial designer, the purpose of your images can be to sell the design to your boss, right. for example. Like I would say that's... Get, get buy-in from a client. Generally, the that's the main purpose of right. renderings. In, so in, in that ID. case, like you just want your images to very, like, you know, communicate the design intent clearly and also be exciting. Like yeah. you want them to be, if you're working for a client or your boss or whatever, like you want that person to see your images and be like, oh yeah, like that's awesome. Like you want that reaction, right? right. And so there is, you know, a certain amount of value, I think, that um, should be placed on having those skills and thinking about like art direction. Like, how am I going to light this? Like, yeah. you know, how much um, effort am I going to put into the textures to make it look realistic? Um, I think it's really valuable to to build those skills, even if you're just using them to, you know, pitch your design to a stakeholder, right? right. Um, for what I do, it's different because my images, some of them are for that purpose. Others are for consumers to want to buy the product. That's right? different. Yeah, that's a different And so thing, then sure. it's like, okay, well, I need to not only communicate what the product is and to a certain extent what it does, but also like the amount of like engaging and or like engagement and excitement that you have to create is a lot higher because now you're thinking about like, okay, you know, what is, what are these people's perception of our brand? And like, how does, how do the images that I'm creating fit into our brand and like the overall like messaging of the company and like what we're all about? Like when they see these images, what are they going to think? This is the first time they're going right. to see this product ever. Like, how do I make sure that they have the right reaction to it? Like, yeah. and the right sort of, um, perception, like emotional response. And the reason, and I think, so what I, what I notice now is like when, you're an industrial designer and you're creating images to pitch your idea to a client, you probably won't iterate on them that much. Like you'll iterate on them a little bit yourself right. to try and like get something that you're happy with. Yes. But I will spend like a month like Just working on like, like if we're, if we're doing like a, a like a packaging render, for example, yeah. for a product, like we'll spend like, you know, a month like tweaking it and re revising it and revising it again. And, you know, talking about, you know, exactly what angle we want to show it from and exactly what colors we're going to do and exactly what the lighting is going to be like. And, you know, th those decisions like have such, such higher like ramifications when like that is the image that every single person is going to see before right. they buy this product. Exactly. And their decision-making process for buying the product is, is going to be at least partially like hinging on that image. And so it's a lot of pressure and it changes like the, 
sort of the the calculus that you have to make in your head while you're working on it um and some of that is good and some of or i think it's good because it's taught me to be a better more thoughtful um visualizer if that's yeah. a word visualizer <laughs> 3d artist um you know it's 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 taught me to like put a lot more thought into the reasons why i'm doing a certain like rent you know creating a certain image in a certain way um but i also miss the freedom of being able to just do whatever i want and yeah. you know not have to satisfy a dozen different stakeholders and so that's another reason why i'm super motivated to continue doing my personal work because it's my playground to where i can make whatever images i want to make and the only bar that i have to satisfy is whether or not i think it's cool yeah and so i think the stuff that i make is like very small amount of iteration usually and i have like a pretty low bar for like what i will consider worthy of like posting to the public yeah Yeah. yeah. that's interesting i mean i guess when i when i'm thinking about it it's like especially nowadays everyone has key shot everyone's able to really whip up a really decent rendering in a very short amount of time by the way and you know it's it's crazy what people can create nowadays it's almost like now we are almost faking ourselves out because it's like we can create a very simple extruded rounded rectangle and then put some like really nice lighting on it and then wow we can sell it to our client well yeah you're doing the same thing that i do and i'm trying to like you know create right. uh, that excitement and that emotional response when someone sees the image but do I think you think that's you, bad though if we just no because i think your job as an industrial designer is to believe in the design of your product right, right? and convey that like it doesn't matter in the best way if possible. you can make it extra awesome by like visualizing it a certain way right like you still have to believe like this is a good design and yeah. i am putting my like you know my stamp of approval on this For concept sure. even if it's a rounded rectangle even if it's a rounded rectangle yeah. if a rounded rectangle is what it should be to solve the design criteria for the project yes. then that's there's nothing wrong with that okay and making it beautiful in a rendering is only going to be icing on top of that cake that's right? good you relieved a lot of anxiety there tim i don't think you should be anxious about that at all as long as your designs are things that you believe in that's great tim we got a, we got a fun question you ready for a fun okay. question it better not be the one that i'm thinking of <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. Lauren says, if you legitimately got the opportunity to travel to Mars, oh. but there was no return ticket, would you do it? This is like the Elon Musk question. Why or why not? Um, I don't, I would not do it. Um, no, you wouldn't go to Mars? I would not go to Mars. What if you had a return ticket? If I had a return ticket, I would think about it a little bit harder. <laughs> Still probably say no, just because I'm, it's funny because I think everyone on the discord knows that I'm obsessed with space and spaceships and yeah. um, I love space travel as a concept and I want us to do more of it. And I think it's good for our just benefit as a species. Um, but I'm very scared of it in terms of like the realities of what it entails. <laughs> You're scared because you'd be stuck up there forever or you No, I'm scared of like the dangers involved. Yeah. Like it's not a very safe thing to right. do. And especially visiting Mars, which is something we've never really done before with right. humans. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong. Yeah. And I am definitely not the type of person to take unnecessary risks with things like that. So I'm not the person who would be the first to sign up for something like that. I, I would sign up as long as I got to fly in your spaceship, Tim. Okay. Well, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> no, but I think like if commercial space travel was a thing that was like a little bit more tried and true, right? 
then I would definitely consider it. Okay, so you're not going to be the first I'm not going to be the first person. But you're not going to be, be the like, first generation. Let's say like we could live yeah. forever. A couple generations down the road, it's already established, it's pretty safe, you'd go up and check it For out. For sure. Okay, cool. Definitely. Cool. And it would uh, be, I'm sure it would be an awesome experience. All right, maybe one or two more questions here, Tim, and then we'll wrap up. But um, So what's the future like? Are you like five, ten years out, where do you see yourself? We've transitioned now from ID to just 3D generalists. Like you said you would love to do your personal projects full time in a way. Well, right? I mean, <laughs> if that were a uh, financially sustainable yeah. thing to do. Um, no, I think for me, um, I'm still really interested in continuing to learn more things and continue to like uh, improve skills that I already have. Right. And also learn new ones. So, and I think part of that too is like continuing to take, um, the work that I'm doing in new directions and you know a lot of my a lot of the people that I look up to like Ash for example um, you know they kind of cut their teeth in the entertainment industry doing work for like film and movies yeah and I think it would be really fun one day to do work on some kind of a thing for the entertainment industry because okay. I when I was like if you asked me this question a few years ago I would have been very uh, uh i guess not very confident in myself in terms of my ability to work on something like that because you know just comparing myself to all of the people that i look up to i've been like oh you know there's no way i could actually work on a project like that i'm not you know not skilled enough not experienced enough whatever but i think i've gotten over that at this point and now i feel like i'm in a place where if an opportunity like that came along like i would be able to confidently say like yes this is something that i can do and something i should do and it'll be good for my just you know good for my own goals in terms of the types of projects that i like to work on because i think as a 3d artist like one of the things that's really cool is that you can visualize things that don't exist right and i think yeah. the entertainment industry provides a really cool you know opportunity to work on things that are completely in the realm of imagination yeah um, like the spacecraft project that i'm working on right now like i love you know imagining you know realities that don't exist and vehicles and um props and things like that like i think there's an alternate dimension where i did concept art as a career path instead of industrial design yeah and i wonder what that alternate dimension is like because there's I another zarki out there on another planet when i was when i was in high school like thinking about what i wanted to do like the idea of being a concept artist occurred to me and i think and i you know looked at art center as a place to go for that and i was just so intimidated at the time by the level of skill that i saw on display there and also like the just how hard they work yeah. in that industry. It's a very, um, just a very fast paced, very, uh, intense industry to work in. And I know a lot of people at Oculus who came from that industry and especially visual effects. Um, and are like, I came to Oculus to escape that because it was too much for me. Interesting. Um, wow. yeah, like you work really hard, but I, I, one thing I have seen though, is that there's a lot of freelancers that will like do, you know, we'll get brought into a project for a film, for example, to do concepting in the beginning, hand off their work to the visual effects people to actually like do the final version of it, but they provide like the inspiration and like the initial sort of seed for what it should look like. And I think it'd be really cool to like fit myself into that role yeah. on some kind of a project. Um, but I feel like I have a little bit more like portfolio building to do in that realm because like I can prove to anybody that like I can render products really well. Right. I don't think I can yet prove to anybody that I have the chops to like do, 
you know, a concept like space vehicle for like a movie. I'm, I'm getting there. Working I'm working there. on it, but that's, that's, that's the motivation for yeah, all this yeah. stuff is because like, that's kind of a personal goal of mine. Um, and it's something I feel like I'm not quite there yet, but it's something that I feel like could be on the horizon. Definitely. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, one last question, Tim, of course you probably know it cause we ask all our guests this, what are you excited about in the future of design or, or visualization? Um, well, I work for a VR company, so there's some pretty obvious answers to that question, yeah. I think. Um, and honestly, like I love, uh, because I spend all of my day, you know, working on VR devices. Um, I love seeing when people do really creative things with them, which is my like opportunity to like plug the stuff that you're doing, because I feel like, you know, you are one of a few people whose name comes up a lot at work when we're trying to think of like, you know, who are some people out there who are like doing really awesome stuff with VR in the design space? Um, cause there's, you know, lots of like, you know, VR is like very entertainment industry focused right, right now. It's very, like very like gaming, gaming yeah, yeah. and, you know, watching like consuming media of different kinds, like immersive media. Um, but there's so much potential for VR in like art and design yes, and creation for sure. and just like uh, you know, I want to see more of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about the potential of that, especially as I think once VR becomes cheaper to get into and more pervasive, the number of companies that are going to want to develop tools for it is going to expand. Yeah. And the amount of funding that's going to get put into those tools is going to expand. And I think that they're going to get a lot better. And the things that people create with them right now are already pretty amazing. Yes, for sure. So I'm really excited to see kind of how that continues to progress because, yeah. um, I'm sure there's a lot of things in your mind that you can't say. Yeah. But... I'm, I'm like choosing my words very carefully right now because I can't talk about anything that, uh, <clears throat> obviously anything confidential at work, but I can see a glimmer in your eye <laughs> and that's what makes me happy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, I think it's going to be, um, just a really cool technology, especially when it comes to, um, you know, design and, just creation and, and allowing yourself to like imagine an experience and then like give that experience to somebody else yeah. and be like, Hey, this is the th this thing that I imagined. Now you go like experience it yourself. Yeah. Like I love the idea of being able to do that. And, uh, I'm on board with that future. You know, I am. I know you are. I'm excited for that. <laughs> well, Tim, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. I'm also really happy because you also have a good podcasting voice and your audio is going to be people, crisp. People, people tell me that. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. Um, but thank you. And honestly, it's it's been an honor to be on the podcast. You know I'm a big fan. You know I'm on the Discord all the time. So for me, this is like my... Uh, it's a big milestone yeah. for me. So I really appreciate it. Of course, if you want to check out Tim's work, you can find your work on zarky.net that's my website instagram um, is underscore zarky underscore yep um everything else you can find through um, that through those so and if you want to contact tim at any moment discord join the minor 24 7 discord. i will probably be there <laughs> <laughs> on it he, he sleeps with the discord right next to his pillow so you can almost contact him it's almost an accurate statement <laughs> um but yeah as always i'm at nick baker and i'm Tim Zarki at uh, underscore Zarki underscore. Peace out. Peace out.